Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the CMYK Talks podcast. Uh, my name is Seth. It is good to be with you. Um, yeah, this is an interesting podcast for me because I think with it comes a lot of anxiety, um, and you'll probably see more of that unfolding here in a little bit. It's good to be back with you. Um, I am, yeah, happy to be here. So hope you're having a good day wherever I may be finding you. Um, okay. Uh, July 19th, 2018. I was with Michaela and our friends Noah and Mary. And we were driving through the back roads of Colorado coming to the tail end of a 10-day trip where we had toured some national parks. For the first time in the road trip, we the, our, the conversation was kind of at a lull. Uh, not, not, not necessarily at a lull. We just weren't really talking. We were just kind of enjoying the scenery as it was quite beautiful around us. And so we're, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. We're driving through these uh, back roads of Colorado. And I look to my right and I see this church tucked back in the hills uh, quite a ways. Older church, clearly had been there for a long time. And I saw the sign that the church had up by the road and it said, all are welcome. I remember thinking to myself, yeah, right. That's a load of crap. That's not true. That's not true. Leading up to this moment, I'd been through probably two years of a interesting spiritual journey. And I think in that moment, I um, fully embrace, I don't know if I fully embrace, I just had this really moment of like, yeah, that's, that's a lie. That's a lie. And we all know it. So stop lying to yourselves. And so as we kept driving, I looked back over my shoulder back at the church for some reason. And, and, and I had this thought that went, if that church has been here for a hundred years, 150 years, it was old church. I was like, there are endless numbers of people who have gone through the doors of that place and found hope and love and truth to them and so many different things that provide them answers to life. And who am I to ever belittle that? Who am I to ever for one moment belittle what they have experienced? And on July 19th, 2018, while driving the back roads of Colorado, I fully embraced my agnosticism because in realizing that I might not ever be one of the people to walk through the doors of that church, um, I also realized that who am I to ever question the truth, hope, love, understand that other people have gained. And I kind of sat back in my chair and I looked forward down the road and I was content in my agnosticism. I was good. I was okay that I didn't know. It was, it was as if I took a refreshing drink of cold water on a hot summer day. That's how it felt. And I remember fully embracing this new religious journey that I was on because of some little tiny church tucked back in the hills of Colorado. Um, October 2nd, 2017. I'm driving that morning. It's my day off. I was working at Angry Hank's Microbrewery at the time, and it was my day off. It was a Monday, and I was driving to get a coffee and do a little bit of reading, and on my way to the coffee shop, I get a phone call, and it was my mother-in-law. Her name's Amy. And I answer the phone. I'm like, hey, what's going on? And uh, clearly right away something was wrong on the other end of the line. 
her voice was shaky and, and it was breaking and it was very difficult to hear her. But she said, I need you to come to the hospital. And I said, okay. Um, and just wanting to understand why, I was like, okay, uh, can you tell me why? And she said, uh, yeah, Ron, who's my father-in-law, I said, Ron has cancer and we need you here. So I drive to the hospital and I arrive at the emergency room where they're just running tests and talking to him. And I remember sitting in the room with them for a good I don't know, hour, hour and a half before um, Michaela showed up and, and there wasn't much exchanged between us and it was tense. And so Michaela gets there and um, the journey begins to unfold for us of uh, her father having pretty aggressive uh, liver cancer and us starting to realize new things about ourselves. That we started to realize that from that moment forward on October 2nd, 2017, our lives started to go different directions. That it's as if we hit a fork in the path we were taking together and started walking down different paths. And uh, after the next 13 months um, led us through very honest conversations about who we are and where we're at and the people we're trying to become and what our marriage has been and, and all of these things that through counseling and conversation, we decided in November of 2018 that we were going to get a divorce. And so Michaela and I just this last year decided that we're at a place where we're going separate ways and getting a divorce. Um, and then I go to work. I go to work every day as a sixth grade social studies teacher at Lockwood School. And I feel like I got hired under this understanding that um, – I am this good Christian married man, and I feel like that's so much of my identity. And now that both of those things are gone, I have reverted to these really weird tendencies that I've never had before. Uh, tendencies of isolation, running away, not being honest, at times telling lies, and just trying to cope with the fact that my reality is not what it once was, but other people still hold me to this reality that I'm a good Christian man, good Christian evangelical man, and that I'm married and have this amazing marriage. Not saying it wasn't amazing, just it's not there anymore. And and I'm I find myself isolating, running away, hiding, lying at times about life. Like when a coworker comes to me and say, Man, isn't God good? and smacks me on the back and I have to begrudgingly smile and nod and say, gosh, he is. And I don't believe it because I don't know. Or when someone comes up to me and says, hey, how's Michaela doing? And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's doing so good. It's not that she's not doing good. It's just that there's more to the story. And, and this is where I found myself the last six, seven, eight months of life. <clears throat> I found myself in this limbo of not being able to be honest about who I am and where I'm at and, and really having these difficult tendencies uh, that I'm reverting to. Like, for example, one of the things I've never done before in my life is I've never found it difficult to get out of bed. <clears throat> and more than ever the last couple of weeks, I find myself waking up and for an hour I lay in bed hoping that school gets canceled or something burns down and there's an emergency and I can just lay in bed all day. And so I begrudgingly get out of bed and I go to work and I fake a lot of my interactions at work and then I come home and I crawl back in bed and I stay there till morning. I've never done that before. And so anyone who's out there who that is a huge part of your life because 
that's just where you're at. I'm, I'm sorry I've never known before, and I'm sorry that I didn't understand. But these are all things that I'm doing, and it's very much unlike me. And so in order to pursue answers into this weird behavior I'm experiencing and how to slog through this difficulty of my religious belief and, and my marriage or lack thereof and in my workplace, I'm talking to my counselor. And so I'm going to ask real quick if you have a moment to press pause and grab a piece of paper and something to write with. Just push pause, grab that real quick, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually have you draw something with me. Um, I hope by this point you've pushed pause and then play again because here we are. So if you have a piece of paper and a pen in front of you, uh, what I want you to do is on that piece of paper is I want you to draw a triangle. Draw a triangle. So nice little triangle. And at the top of that triangle, at the top peak of the triangle, I want you to write the word thoughts. And then if you move down into the left of the top, so we should be at the bottom left corner of the triangle, I want you to write the word feelings. So triangle, thoughts at the top, feelings at the bottom left, and then over in that other corner on the bottom right, I want you to write the word behavior. So thoughts, feelings, and behavior. So I talked to my therapist, and I'm like, what the heck is going on with me? Why am I <clears throat> doing these negative things? Why am I engaged in these really negative tendencies, behaviors that I've never engaged in before? And she said, well, you're caught in this thing called a thinking error. So if off to the side of that triangle, little pyramid, if you want to write the words thinking error, I will now explain them to you. And what a thinking error is, is negative thoughts breed Negative feelings, which breed negative behavior. So, negative thoughts. I um, peel back my religious belief system. Um, I am ending my marriage, and I'm not wanting to be vulnerable with people at work about these things. So, I have negative thoughts. Oh my gosh, what are people going to think about me now that I'm not a Christian? Are people going to hate me? Are people going to think I'm just damned and going to hell? Are people going to stop being my friend? Are people going to... Um, try and make me their mission. I don't know. Um, my marriage. Oh my gosh, are people going to hate me? Are people going to take sides? Am I ever going to find someone like Michaela again? What is going on? Um, is this a, is this the best idea? Is this good for us? Am I making a mistake? These are all thoughts that I've had. And then I get to work, and I'm like, what if these people find out the truth about me? And and I and they they didn't want to hire some agnostic divorce guy. Instead, they wanted the married Christian guy, and which which again is an absurd thought. But this is the thought that goes through my head, right? And these negative thoughts then feed negative feelings. And what these negative feelings do, because all those thoughts create incredibly negative feelings that I can't shake because they originate the thought, and they feed then negative behavior. And what these negative behaviors are are things like isolation, uh, lying, hiding, uh, manipulation. Like I can't tell you how many conversations I've manipulated the last six months to avoid certain topics or to make people think a certain way about me. So these are all negative behaviors. And what these negative behaviors ultimately are is this thing called control. What they are is there are things that I'm reverting to these behaviors I'm reverting to that ultimately give me control of a situation. 
that for one quick moment or interaction or things going on, because I have the control, I feel like I can make it all better. And these controls manifest themselves in different ways, like I said, whether it's lying or manipulation or deception or hiding or isolation, but they also come out in weird ways too. Like what I've started to do is control the little things I can control. Like for example, I've trimmed my beard four times in the last six months and I've never done that before in my life because there's something about the control of even trimming my beard that makes me feel like I have control over something and things are going better for me. So control manifests itself in all kinds of ways. These negative behaviors manifest control, turn into control, and this control comes out in all different ways. So it's like whatever I can control, I'm going to control because these are the negative behaviors coming out. And this is where I've been stuck at. That I am in this obsessive place of trying to control everything about my life because the narrative feels off and I'm terrified of what people are going to think. And therefore, I revert to the control about my religious belief, the reality of my, my marital status, and then my coworkers and my experiences with them. In the midst of this control, and in the midst of my agnosticism, what's interesting is I still find an immense amount of value in the biblical narrative. There are these stories that are told about people over generations and thousands of years. And I believe that these stories speak deeply to the human condition. That these stories are what people would tell around fires and at meals. And these are the ways they would tell about where they're from and who they are and how they operate. And these stories hold this immense amount of value to me. That I think these stories at their core speak to our human nature. I no longer believe them to be true, actual stories, but I do believe them to be stories that speak deeply to the core of being human. And so there's a story I want to read to you about this idea of control. And it comes through the story of Genesis 4, and you've probably heard it before. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. It's the story of Cain and Abel. I'm going to read you the story. I'm going to make an observation, and I'm going to send you on your happy little way. Now Adam and Eve, now, now ooh, I'll start that over. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength." You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, 
My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. I find this story so interesting to me because we have a character named Cain who works his butt off and presents to the Lord his current reality of being a farmer, someone who works the land and presents to God an offering. And God likes his brothers more. Now, I will also say that in the story of East of Eden by John Steinbeck, there's a character named Lee who makes a very important observation for me personally. Lee makes the observation in the story of Cain and Abel that what if God can have preferences? Like, isn't God allowed to have preference? Meaning that not all things we present to God are equal. And so God in this story has a preference. He prefers the offering of Cain of Abel and the, and the animal over Cain and the uh, fruits from the ground, if you will. Cain is upset by this. And he's hurt and he's damaged. And he takes matters into his own hands and he kills his brother. And all I can think about is this triangle. Negative thoughts breed negative feelings, which breed negative behaviors. And these behaviors manifest themselves in control. Is there any greater form of control for Cain to take over Abel than to take his life? And here's what bothers me the most. What if Cain was looking for something so much deeper than control. Because on the opposite side of control, the thing that I've found in my life lately that gets me out of the mindset of control is this idea of connection. That there have been places and spaces the last six to eight months of my life where I have been so incredibly honest and vulnerable with people and I have done nothing but look them in the eye and tell them the current reality of my situation and they have done nothing but embrace me. And for one beautiful little moment, all the, all the desire for control just sheds away. And I wonder what Cain would have done had he gone to God and said, I'm deeply hurt by this. You've hurt me. Or he went to his brother Abel and said, this hurts. I'm deeply hurt by the fact that God has a preference and that I feel second rate and belittled. Because wouldn't God look back at him and say, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way. Or even Abel, his brother, to embrace him, look back at him and say, hey man, that really, really sucks. Because I wonder if on the other side of this control aspect, there's connection. What if all that we're all really looking for in the midst of our damaged brokenness is connection? Someone to embrace us and wrap us up, look us in the eye, to validate us, to know us, to hear us, to see us, and to connect with us. And this is what's so interesting to me is I don't think this is unique to me. 
that the last eight months of my life, while I've been desperately trying to control and manipulate and micromanage and isolate and run and lie, that all I've been looking for is someone to see me and hear me and understand me. And I wonder if that's true for all of us. That in the moments of uncertainty and chaos, when we want to when we have negative thoughts that feed negative emotion, feelings that feed negative behaviors, all we're looking to do is to actually connect. My therapist said this thinking error obviously is driven by negative thoughts and the only way to get out of it, because the thinking error goes from negative thoughts, to negative feelings, negative behaviors. She said the only way to reverse it is to start having positive behavior and positive input into your life. And I was like, well, how do I do that? And she very simply looked at me and she said, you have to find genuine connection with people. That a positive behavior is genuine human connection. That night she told me um, to go to dinner by myself, to sit at a restaurant I enjoy, have a meal and a drink, and just make connection with someone with no pressure. And that's what I did. I went and grabbed a meal and a beer and I sat down at the bar at, at a restaurant and I chatted the per- with the person next to me for about five minutes, but it was lighthearted and fun and it was positive. And I noticed that the feeling out of that changed. And what that then affected is the thoughts out of that. What if all Cain was looking for was genuine human connection? What if he was just looking to be seen and heard and known and loved in the midst of his pain and brokenness and chaos and disorder? And rather than controlling the situation, he was just looking to connect with someone. And what if you and me in the midst of our brokenness and chaos and disorder and the desire to control situations and and things going on around us, what if we're just looking to connect? And I... I think for all of us, this is the at least for me, this is the place I'm landing. And I wonder if we're all here that there's this delicate balance we have to find ourselves in. On one end is control, on the other side is connection. And depending on how life's going, depending on what kind of thinking error we're in, depending on what kind of situation, we have two very unique opportunities: to control and manipulate, to have behaviors that are unlike us that lead us to control or to find another human being to look in the eyes, to be heard, seen, known, loved, and to connect. And so in the midst of your lives, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever's going on, whatever you might be controlling right now, my hope for you is that you would go build some connection that you would find a way to exist in this area of connection instead of control. And maybe to think on the places you have control and to try and find some connection. I hope these are good thoughts for you. Thanks for, always, as always, letting me be vulnerable with you. As I said, there was some anxiety around some of these things to share with you because they are scary and terrifying. So thanks for always giving me a place to share my voice. I hope it was helpful and beneficial for you guys. Should you think fondly of all of you in the CMYK community. Much love. Talk soon.